welcome to E-Commerce Innovators, a podcast that brings together the brightest minds in the industry to explore innovative strategies and trends in global e-commerce. Our host is John LeBaron, Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern, the premier partner for global e-commerce acceleration. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This is e-commerce innovators. My name is John LeBaron. I am the chief revenue officer here at Pattern, and we are thrilled to introduce Nick Greer today and have him as a guest on this podcast. Nick is the founder and CEO of Built.com, Built Brands. And tell us more, Nick, thank you so much for coming to the show. Tell us more about the company and your role there. John, what's going on? Great to be here with you. No, Built and Built.com, I mean, really, we've We've uh, figured out a way to somewhat disrupt the candy bar industry. Um, we've created a bar, um, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. That's we, we basically say healthy finally became tasty. And, uh, and so we're having a little bit of fun with it. People think, you know, it's Oompa Loompas all over here and you're, you know, in chocolate rivers and everything else. And I'm like, no, it's a little bit different than that. But uh, we're super excited to be here on this podcast with you today. All right. Thank you so much. Well, for those that are not familiar, Pattern is based in Lehigh, Utah. This is a corridor we call Silicon Slopes. It's a little bit cheesy, but we'll take whatever we can get. Um, and you spent a large part of your career, maybe all of your career, along here. And Built is the baby of, of Silicon Slopes to some level as well, right? Tell us more about your career and kind of where you got it, your start. And eventually we'll we'll kind of come into Built, but um, would love to learn more about your background and you kind of serial entrepreneur. Uh, you got it. No, I mean, not to get too boring on you and we'll, we'll be quick, but 2000, the year 2000, so 22 years ago, started a company and uh, um, it absolutely failed. It was called Cowboy Inc. You saddled up. It was incredible. And, uh, you know, we had sales guys going um, to businesses and to door to door selling uh, advertising services. But one of which we actually ran into a company called Ancestry.com, which is also another local company here that was just starting to take off at the time. And we, uh, we started generating leads and uh, we figured out, well, lead generation, it works, but it was a pure numbers game. And so when you talk about e-commerce, that was my first take into e-commerce and realizing, wow, even when I was at my mother-in-law's and father-in-law's house, I was running upstairs to her office, logging into her AOL account, you know, the dial up to look at my stats. <laughs> you know, for the day of how many leads we generated for Ancestry at the time. And it became very addicting. And so I broke off from there and started another company called One on One. And uh, really with Ancestry as the only customer, the only client. And uh, we took off from there. And it was a $2,000 bootstrap business that uh, we ultimately uh, sold off in the year 2000 to two private equity companies, which we're very grateful for and, and uh, became one of the fastest growing companies here in Utah. But we owned about 7,000 web domains, web, web properties, driving traffic yeah. you know, through those sites and super fun experience. But that, that was the first kind of little taste into the addictiveness and the addiction you get from uh, e-commerce and e-commerce sales. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. And one of the things that I think is so tricky, honestly, if you're a brand today, there's this kind of perennial question and especially one that deals with like consumer product goods like the built brand. So, you know, how much of that do you insource? How much do you try to outsource? How do you maintain a culture of innovation, especially in a traditional kind of almost CPG environment? 
And I think those early days and early years for you and your professional career probably showed you the power of being scrappy, bootstrapping everything, you know, being on the forefront, cutting edge of technology in a way that maybe some of your customers, whether they're, I don't know, universities or, you know, DNA companies or, you know, whatever it looks like. How did you think about that back then? Um, I'm sure you were doing things, again, owning 7,000 different set websites and referral domains and all this other traffic, getting all this traffic. You're probably one of the pioneers in content marketing. Um, maybe tell us a little bit more about that and what you were doing that you felt like maybe the brands you represented or the partnerships you had were capable of doing on their own and maybe how that shifted. Today, you're a CEO of a, of a CPG brand. How much do you try to do in-house and focus on what you do really well and how much do you lean on other partners or agencies or whatever it looks like to kind of get the job done? Well, I mean, I think early on, really, I mean, wherever, whatever stage of the business you're in, I mean, you're going to lean on others. Um, and it just depends at, to, to what capacity or what level, right? And so I will tell you, and you know, for example, for us, I'll tell you if it's anything e-commerce, meaning if it's anything online media, as far as the buying that media online, I want to own that. Now, offline, um, as far as the, the type of um, marketing or, or advertising we're buying, I'm okay to lean on others and outsource that to different ad agencies. But I want to own the data. I want to own that information. I want to own the customer. I want to know because it, we can, I want to tweak and I want to test and I want to do multivariate testing. I want to do AV split testing. I want to test a yellow button over a red button, a blue page over the... The, the white page, I want to go from left to right to right to left as far as the conversion process. And so, I mean, it's taken 22 years to kind of come to that realization. But early on, I mean, I was dependent upon everyone, everyone. I didn't own any of the data. I didn't have any of the email list. I didn't have any of the banners, the pop-ups, the whatever, the contextual ads. I was dependent upon everyone. I was just brokering the deal, essentially doing an arbitrage and saying, can you just do this for me? And I'll pay you X, even though I'm getting paid Y. And it was a shared numbers game at that point. And so it just depends the stage of the business that you're at of what you need to own and what you can own. Yeah, totally. Well, tell us about the transition, um, unless there are other big gaps you want to, you know, you want to kind of go through in your career after you kind of went through this process of, you know, selling the business you kind of, I think I was reading on your background, you did some real estate, you worked with some, you know, family stuff, you, I think you, you know, started another tech company, help us understand the journey that took you from kind of point A to point B in, in you, where you own a candy bar company now, basically, or a protein bar company, you know, that's, that's kind of wild. I know, who would ever thought I was going to be dealing with chocolate every day, you know, <laughs> I, I believe everything is divine. And that's my belief, my belief system, as far as I believe how it's led and where you're led and you, you go, we all have our own journey. And what's important to remember is as we're all on our own journeys is taking, taking the opportunity with opportunities. In fact, I've said this before, but you know, I taught for six years at Brigham Young University at BYU and I taught the entrepreneurship class. And one of the things I would do every semester at the beginning of the semester is I give everyone um, a three by five note card and they would take that three by five note card and I would tell them on Monday, all right, you've got to write down 100 opportunities. They're like, what, Professor Greer, this is impossible. Are you kidding me? This is 100 opportunities. I don't know if I want to do this. I'm like, well, okay, you can drop out of the class because you know the ad drop period is still available. 
And they would stay in, there'd be about 200 students in the class, but I'd have them take that note card and I'd give them 48 hours, 48 hours for them to actually write down hundred opportunities. But I would tell them, I want you to look and drive down the freeway and see, hey, I see a billboard. We need to change that color of that billboard. Or, hey, I get this feeling that, you know, I need to call my mom or, hey, I should read that article or I should read that book or whatever it may be. But the point was for them to start recognizing opportunities. And I believe when we start recognizing opportunities in our life's journey and within a business or a career, wherever we're at, like, I really believe it takes you down a path and you start learning what you should learn and who you should become. So for me in my life journey, it was opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that I realized, holy cow, it's happening every day. And then landing into this opportunity, tasting the bar and realizing, okay, we need to go explode this business and we need to go grow this business. This is a brand to be reckoned with. This is a brand that the entire world needs to wrap their lips around and experience. And we're going to make sure that every human being is able to experience our products in some shape or form. And when they do, they're going to realize, wow, when I see built, I instantaneously think it's good for me, but man, it tastes good. And I want some more. I want some more. I want some more. You know, (laughs) that's what they're going to think. And that's what's super fun about building this brand. Yeah. Well, you talked about uh, one of your first entrepreneurial endeavors was truly failure that pivoted into success and, and you wouldn't have had the success without that failure. So maybe tell us about some of the failure you've experienced in trying to, you know, again, launch this non-traditional or CPG. I'm always fascinated by people that go into the world of hard goods. Like if you're a, you know, entrepreneur in, in tech and you do tech, it's fine. Like there's Tech's not easy, but it's also you don't have inventory, you don't have bars melting in the hot sun, you don't have to worry about supply chain, like you don't have to worry about the FDA getting in your business or you know other you know uh, you know government entities getting in and and you know you're 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 in a consumable right. So how did you even think that you were gonna be able to figure that or crack that nut out? Who have you leaned on? What mistakes have you made? Walk us through all that. I don't know. When you were speaking though, like I want to bask in that and just thinking about you know. You know, no FDA, um, no melting chocolate, no supply chain issues. I mean, I'm like, man, that feels good. That feels really good right now. You know, I don't, you know, I think a lot of times we don't know why we jump into what we jump into, but something just feels right. It feels natural. Yeah. And, And in my mind, it's like, if something just feels right and it feels real and you're not forcing it, then just keep running, keep sprinting, keep attacking, keep going. Too often, you know what, we stop and we're like, now we start asking questions. Now we start hesitating. Now we start having doubts and fears. And it's those doubts and fears that stop us from moving forward. The worst thing that you can do is be stagnant. The worst thing that you can do is stay still or be idle. I'd rather you be moving backwards and making mistakes as opposed to being idle and making no mistakes or doing nothing. Yeah. And that's, that's what we as human beings have a tendency of doing is just being stagnant and then start asking too many questions instead of saying, this just feels right. Yeah. And I, I will tell you, I mean, I have done, I have made so many mistakes in business, but I was so grateful for every mistake along the way. Cause I'm like, all right, done. I know what not to do now. Let's move forward and let's crank it. Let's kill it. Let's just go attack this now. I remember one time a guy approached me and I bought the the domain boardgames.com. And to tell you the truth, I spent $450,000 on this. Wow. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy this up. Great. Let's, let's actually, let's actually try this out and let's just see 
what we can do because I wanted to understand e-commerce because we were doing lead generation, but I wanted to understand e-commerce. And so this is years ago, I bought this. It was a complete failure. I ended up selling it off for $100,000 just to get rid of it. You know, a year and a half or two years later, I did the same thing with, with uh, building up a business with uh, genealogist.com, you know, um, but we've owned domain names like injury.com and protect.com and um, idea.com and all sorts of crazy, awesome things that have been successful. But man, there have been so many failures along the way, but I would not trade them for anything because I realized, well, what I learned from, from the past has gotten me to where I am today in the present and where it's going to take me into the future. Yeah, I love I love so much of what you just talked about. So applying that to, you know, built.com and and the built bar, how did you go about thinking? Did you start it off as e-commerce by itself? Did you start? I mean, I remember seeing a couple of years ago the big billboards and still today, right? Big billboards down I-15. Uh, I don't know, whatever, yummy and healthy had a baby or something like that. Like these stick with you, right? As a, that was one of my favorite ones. That was one of my favorite <laughs> ones right there. My wife, my wife's like, you can't say that. I'm like, we did. And I love it. So how did you think about kind of your go-to-market strategy? You're having to build a brand. You have to build a social following. You have to generate awareness. You've got to get these, you know, bars into stores. Uh, maybe you have a handful of really good flavors. That's since exploded. There's tons of flavors now. Help us understand kind of the chronology uh, were you in the club channel? Were you in specialty retail? Were you in you know mass retail? Were you just in e-commerce? Help us understand what the evolution looked like. You know what? Um, it, tons of trial and error, blocking and tackling. Um, I mean, really, at the end of the day, that's all you can do. And as soon as you see something working, you go put more fuel on that fire. As soon as you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm forcing this. This isn't right. This is like mistake after mistake after mistake extinguish it, forget it. Like Mr. Wonderful says, you know what? What does he say? You're, you're, uh, um, I forget the word he says. He goes, you're, um, you're nothing to me, whatever. It's like, you just got to get rid of that idea. I forget exactly what he says, but he says, you're like, you're right. Burn that business, burn it down, be done. Yeah. Well, sometimes in within the business, you got to do the same thing and just be disciplined towards it. You know, we've, we've actually launched 93 different flavors and bars in the last three and a half years. It's been wow. pure insanity. We produce all of our products in-house, pure insanity. We do all of our fulfillment, pure insanity. We do all of our customer service, marketing, everything, absolute insanity. Well, I like it because you know what? We, we control so much more of that supply chain and the process to understand who our customers are, where we're really making mistakes. And it's hard to actually um, maybe pretend or not know or be naive or, or, or um, unaware of things that are wrong with your business. You find out fast when you're right inside the business and actually running every bit of that, that process. So, you know, it's interesting when you do things for the right reason too, and in the right spirit and in the right heart for, for the right purposes, things seem to fall into place. I mean, we had a deal um, this last year that we did with the local school here at BYU with the NIL deal, name, image, and likeness that I just saw right when I, before I jumped on this podcast, it's like on ESPN.com. It's the main story again. And it was done in August of last year. Like they're just talking about on ESPN. It's the main story. Like you go to it right now. I, that's why I was a little late. I'll be honest to this podcast because I was like, I was looking at it going, what? They just, <laughs> ESPN did what? Well, I, the reason why they're doing it, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with, it was done for the right reason. And when you do things for the right reasons, my goodness, good things follow. 
always. So when you when you approach when you approach ideas, you approach concepts, you approach your business, it's like you approach it in the right manner for the right purposes and the right reasons. And I'm telling you, like good things are going to happen. They will happen. They will follow. Yeah. Maybe tell us a little bit more for those that are not familiar. I mean, you guys have done a number of different interesting partnerships, sponsorships, sport teams, uh, I think NASCAR, et cetera. Tell us a little bit more about that um, piece of it. Yeah, we're still learning for heaven's sakes. I mean, we're three and a half years into this. We are far from where we want to be, where we should be. Sometimes we, we pretend we're a hundred year old company like anyone else out there, or the bigger CPG companies. And again, I don't even want to be lumped into CPG because we're not. I look at it as more of a tech play of what we're doing. And a majority of our business is direct to consumer. But we, we test and try these partnerships and these relationships. I mean, being the official, you know, official sponsor of, of NASCAR and the official protein bar of NASCAR, pretty cool. And uh, we love NASCAR. And to actually have a driver separate deal that we do with Corey LaJoy. Yeah. And you'll see it in two, you know, here at the Daytona 500, we're going to debut this year's car. And super excited about that and that relationship and partnership and what we do with it and why we do it. It's a content play for us. It's like, how do we gather more content? How do we become more interesting to people? And uh, what can we do that's a little bit different than maybe how other people are doing it out there? And uh, we're, we're continuing testing and trying it all out. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's try, repeat, test again, and, and just use more data to be able to ingest it and, and breathe it in and bring it bring it to life again. So maybe tell us a little bit more around, um, I was reading up some articles, watching some videos in preparation for this podcast about you. And you've kind of had a, again, this interesting professional arc. And I think one current like theme that's been, you know, pervasive throughout it is innovation, right? In the way that you've innovated. Tell us what that has required on your end, right? I'm looking at stand-up meetings. I'm looking at these partnerships. I'm looking at different ways that you've kind of gone into business and thought through stuff. How do you keep innovating in your own career? And how do you keep innovation at the forefront of the teams that, that you build? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, like for me, it's like, how, how can you stay a mystery? And uh, how can you still be mysterious? Um, and as an individual and even as a business, um, I mean, I think that's been my, my life's mantra is staying mysterious and being a bit of a mystery and being different. It's okay to be different. Like to me, it's not about the social norm or the status quo. And I mean, I've got, people are going to call me crazy, but I don't allow my, my kids even up through high school to even have a smartphone yeah. and they have what, you know, local company here with Gab. It's like, yeah, senior year in high school, my son still has a Gab phone. Yeah. And, uh, and well, why? Because I want to teach them they can be different and there are ways for them to be different, even when there's success and there may be a monetary gains and people who think, well, you automatically should own and do these type of things. It's like, no, like we do it our way. Like we do it the Greer way. We do it the built way. Yeah. And we're going to always do it that way because that's our, that's, that way is right for us. And I'm not saying that's right for everyone or anyone else, but that's, that's what's right for us. So I'm going to tell you like out there for anyone, it's like, just be different, be mysterious. Don't feel like you have to have that status quo or that social norm of what everyone falls into in that, those traps, especially when you're building a business, especially when you're building your culture, especially, especially when you're actually having a family, like for heaven's sakes, if you have a family, and you have kids, be different, be bold, stand up for good things and right things. 
and it's okay. And guess what? At the end of the day, it's that big old oak tree that you're trying to build, not these little tiny flowers or little plants. Like you're establishing solid roots that are meaningful, that are impactful. They're going to make a difference and they're going to stand for like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. That's when you're creating a legacy. And so in a business, I would tell you, don't create a lifestyle, create a legacy. In your family, be a legacy and create that legacy. Yeah, I love that. Um, maybe switching gears a little bit. I remember one of the videos I think I watched of an interview you were doing or something like that. You, you had talked about um, entrepreneurs versus entrepreneurs. And I thought that was an interesting concept. I actually had never heard of that. Uh, maybe I'm late to the game, but it, it, it would kind of crack to me up. So maybe tell us a little bit. I thought that was fascinating. Tell us about you know, that background and why you, you know, especially as a professor of entrepreneurship, you know, where you see certain folks, you know, there may be listeners here that are thinking about starting their own business, have already started their own business and are, you know, kind of struggling. What advice do you have to them and, and how do you help them to be a, a true entrepreneur versus the entrepreneur? Yeah, no, super interesting. I have to tell you a little backstory on that. It was about 15 years ago. I was being interviewed and uh, it was for Inc. 500 or, the, you know, at the time, and they didn't have 5,000 at the time. And yeah. they were going to do an article on our company and, and uh, the publisher or the, um, um, the, uh, the publisher, um, she, she was interviewing me and she, she said, I, I use that entrepreneur stage. She goes, wait a minute, what'd you say? I'm a entrepreneur. It just kind of like rolled off. I'm like, I don't know. I, I hadn't heard it. And I'm sure there's thousands of people that have said it before, but I hadn't heard it. She goes, do you mind if I say that? And they never printed the article, but then I saw like years later, they like typed up something about entrepreneurship and uh, I'm like, whatever, it's great because I love, I love the fact that, you know, there are so many people out there, they want to be an entrepreneur and they talk about it. And even the concept behind, man, that was my idea three years ago. I came up with that idea, like pattern. Oh my gosh. I, I totally thought of that. Look, look, they, they stole my idea. They're like, no, dude, you were a entrepreneur. You never took the leap of faith to take that risk to go out there and say, let's go, let's go do something about this and go disrupt this market and do it differently. And so you have so many entrepreneurs out there that are standing on the sidelines with their pom-poms out, you know, doing their cheers, but they're like, you know what? It's time to get in the game. Like I need to get in the game. Like, but so very few actually jump in the game and take on that risk. Because they, then they go back to what I talked about initially, the doubts, the fears, the hesitations, and they start asking too many questions that they can't jump into the game and actually become an entrepreneur and do something about those aspirations and those feelings that they have. Yeah. So for you personally, I mean, you're not immune from that, right? You're human. You're especially, a, you know, depending on if things start to go right or go, go wrong, right? And, and you run into some of these different challenges, um, I'm sure you're surrounding yourself with different folks too and, and in your business, but like, what have you done personally to kind of deal with some of those challenges or, or how do you fight off the negativity or, or the, I'm sure you get into a funk just like anybody else at some point, but like, how do you personally stay on top of that and, and focus on where you need to be? Yeah. I'm just going to say practice, practice, practice. It's like sports. It's like a music an instrument that you can play. Like it's no different than anything else that you're doing in life. It's like, if you want to become good at something, you practice that something. And it's, that's how it is with entrepreneurship. You practice taking risk. You practice actually, you know what? I'm going to go say hi to that person. Man, this is way out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to go take that risk and just say hi. 
I feel like I need to talk to him. It goes back to that three by five note card as far as recognizing opportunities. And the more you start recognizing them, then we turn opportunities into ideation or ideas. And then the ideations become actual business concepts that then you pivot and actually improve upon. And so I'm just going to say practice. And I, you just keep doing it. Keep trying it. Keep testing it. Yeah. And see what kind of limits there, you know, exist for you. And that's, that's where you attack it. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, tell us about some of the misconceptions that people have about you as a serial entrepreneur or a CEO or, you know, someone that runs these companies. What are some of the, you know, could be around, you know, misconceptions about something about your family or about, you know, the way you run, the, run things or investors or anything like that. Help, help us understand what that looks like from your vantage point. I don't know. I, he's crazy. Um, he, he's always happy. Um, you know, uh, I hate this to turn into me. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, um, I think you can look at anyone and you're going to judge anyone in society, anyone that's maybe successful and, and you cast judgments on them immediately. And there's, there's jealousies, um, that you have. I mean, we all do that as human beings. We all fall in that trap. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just going to say, you know, it's like, yeah, people probably do that with me and, oh, it just comes so easy. It's so natural. It's so this, it's like, dude, like, are you kidding me? I'm a continually trying to practice this and trying it and working on it. It's a constant battle, but of course, what may be natural to me may not be natural to you, but it's because I I've worked hard at it for so many years and I've got a long ways to go and I've got so much to learn and so much to become. So I don't know. I, that that's maybe we should ask that to other people what they think of me. I'm sure it's not too great. I, who knows? Yeah. Tell us about the um, overall kind of mission of built brands, right? You, you mentioned this earlier, you're more in D to C today, but you're cognizant of not just calling the company built bar or something like that. Help us understand the kind of the broader vision and remit as it relates to building what you're building. Yeah. I've got a bigger goal and that is to feed kids. I want to feed kids. And, you know, right now we've got a small program for the last 11 years we've been building up and we're improving upon this year. We're going to feed a million people. We want to feed a million people and we want to rally troops around that cause of feeding a million people and specifically with kids. We believe if you don't nourish um, with food as, uh, as far as with children, how is it that they're even going to be able to go to school and learn? And yeah. you see when they don't have food on the weekends, but they get food from the school systems during the week. Yeah. Okay. It's great during the week, but what about the weekend from Friday afternoon at lunch to Monday morning to breakfast? Are you kidding me? If I go without food for one day for two meals, I'm freaking out. I'm dying. Right. And yeah. I know, I know some of us have had to do that. I mean, I'm still intermittent fasting even right now. And I try to do that till one o'clock. I'm dying. I want my built bar right now. I want my built bar. <laughs> But I'm telling you, we have a greater goal here at Built is to feed a million kids this year. And on top of that, like we're focusing so much more on the everyday walk-on. We love the mindset of a walk-on, someone who has grit. It's not a walk-on just in sports, but someone who actually, you know what, is down in their dumps, who's had their teeth kicked in, who's maybe been kicked to the ground, who maybe is a single mom, but yet, you know what, grab a Built Bar and it's going to make you better. Grab a Built Bar because you know what, we've got your back. And for us, you know, our, our whole mantra is how do we actually go support those walk-ons to give them hope, to give them 
you know, something they can believe in, something they can fight for. And so it's a much bigger cause as far as let's use the platform as far as built is concerned by using our products, yes, but to give people, I don't know, a sense of, of belonging, a sense of hope, a sense of, you know what, I'm not going to take my life. You know what, I don't need to. I actually have something to fight for for tomorrow. And I'm going to fight for it. And tomorrow, if I can fight through tomorrow, I'm going to fight through the next day and so on and so forth. And so how do we do that? You know, how do we how do we actually that's what we're trying to strive for. And then ultimately let every human being on this planet, like I said, wrap their lips around a built bar. Yeah, I love it. Well, there's uh, there's the banner. Right? Let's, let's go out and, and get it done. So I love the passion. I love the enthusiasm. I love the vision. You know, maybe as we kind of wrap this up. One of the things is I've interviewed so many interesting people here on the podcast that is always kind of sticks with me is a, the ability for people to kind of disrupt and disrupt their own careers or disrupt their own lives around entrepreneurship or around innovation and, and, and what they're going to be able to kind of bring to the table. And they're like, like you mentioned, it's kind of divine mission or wherever they're supposed to be going with their lives. But the other thing that's strikes me is just, how they surround themselves with winners or with mentors or, you know, it's, it's very much kind of this team sport success in business is very much a team sport. So I love that concept of, of the walk-on and uh, I, was, I was watching a really funny tribute um, from Gronk to Tom Brady um, about <laughs> so you'll have to go watch it on Instagram. It cracks me up, but, you know, I look at, you know, Tom Brady was not a walk-on but he was definitely kind of that underdog and the legacy that he's left and everything he's put into it. And I love this again, notion of him surrounding himself with winners and building a team. And maybe he wasn't as good as Joe Montana, but he definitely built teams um, that surpassed kind of like that legacy. So I, maybe just in, in context of that comment you made around that walk on, like, who are you surrounding yourselves with? Who, who do you, again, look at, whether it's an employee at your company, whether it's, you know, someone that you rub shoulders with, whether it's someone in the media, I don't really care, but like, who's inspiring you? Who is demonstrating that kind of walk-on, you know, culture you're trying to embody at the company? And, um, you know, what, what are you learning from them? Yeah, and it may not be the answer exactly what you're looking for, but I, I, I can't help but think, I'm surrounded myself by my family, my yeah. kids and my wife. And I look at that next generation that I'm fighting for that I hope that they could be a hundred thousand times better than I ever am. Like I'm surrounding myself and putting everything I got into them. And how can I do more of that? And so naturally, what am I going to do? I want to surround them around people that I absolutely admire and I look up to. And there's quite a few individuals that on an adult level outside of my wife, who I, I want to be with nonstop along with my kids. There's, there are a handful of individuals that I'm, I'm with that I want to be with that we do a lot of things with, but I make sure my kids are interacting with those individuals constantly. And uh, cause I know that they're going to have impact on those people, but those people are going to have impact on them. And I, I, you know, probably not exactly what you're looking for, but I mean, I, I'll tell you, that's, that's what I'm fighting for. And that's who I surround myself with. Yeah, I love that. And we owe so much, right? We owe so much to our spouses, we owe so much to our parents, owe so much to our kids. And it's pretty shocking. I think when you get old enough, again, my oldest is turned 16 in a couple of weeks, right? So she's, 
you know, we're, we're kind of going through those throws, but I'm always so shocked at how smart they are, how wise they are. And I'm like, man, I was such an idiot as a teenager. <laughs> I made so many stupid mistakes. And it's like, man, I, I think they just have so such a better trajectory and honestly a better future and, and potential. Um, most of you ever, not. would you ever want to go back to junior high right now? Would you ever, ever want to go back to junior high? You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily to relive that experience. I think the one thing, and, and a lot of your comments have kind of underscored this for me is like, I don't think people realize how much they can contribute to the goodness and the enjoyment and, you know, just well-being of other people. And I think it's easy, especially as a teenager, to get insular. It's easy as an adult, but just right. to focus on the stuff you're going through. And but the, the truth of it is, you can be a great light. And I hope that I was a light. But I, if I could go back, that's the that's the one thing that I think I would try to underscore more in my own life is just reaching out to other people and trying to lift them up and motivate them because people are all sh shouldering very hard burdens, heavy burdens in their lives and. And being a light and being a cheerleader for them and whatever they're going through. Um, that's the only reason I would want to go back is because I looked at so much, so many of those people that I was surrounded with that I just didn't know. I didn't know what they were going through. And if I could go back and, and give them a pat on the back or, you know, the proverbial bill bar, um, that would, that would be awesome. Right. So, but, but to be a teenager, like, oh my gosh, never. And then I don't want to date anyone again. It's just like, um, it's so much better to be at the spot that I'm in now than being that early, but, uh, you can never, you can never, uh, yeah, I guess think back and, and figure out what you could have done better. Uh, you can't really relive that. So that's the only, that's the only opportunity I would have wanted to take advantage of. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I, I was with, you know, thousands, about a thousand plus kids last night and, um, and I was watching them and I was with two of my daughters and watching all these kids. And I was thinking to myself, Whoa. It'd be so hard to be in junior high and high school right now. These kids are resilient and what they're fighting, like, like so many of them, that's an awkward, awkward stage, right? So awkward, but like, man, if they could just understand what maybe I know right now or what we know right now, like, oh, if they could just believe and just like understand that and give more of those attaboys and pat on the backs and the love, you know, that's needed. Oh, how much greater are those kids around them going to be? I remember this young lady at college and, I, and I'm going to say, maybe this is rude to say, just someone that, you know, um, just maybe a little more homely, maybe someone that just yeah. was, you know, didn't but have that confidence, didn't have that confidence. She was so sweet. And I remember one day I'm like, Nick, go up to her and tell her she is going to be an incredible mom. And I'm like, I hardly even know her. Go up to her and tell her that. So I walked up to her and I'm 21 years old. And I said, I just want to tell you, I think you're going to be an awesome mom. She's like, what? I'm like, you're going to be an incredible mom. You are so sweet and so tender. Those kids are going to be so lucky to have you. And I have thought about her so much. Like what happened to her? Because I remember she looked at me and she said, wow. Thank you. Like I needed that. And it wasn't about me at all because like that wasn't normal for me, but I just felt like I needed to say it. And I've thought about like, did that change anything in her life? Did that change anything in her trajectory, her confidence in her life? I don't know, but how much more can we use the platforms that we have today to build people up, 
to make them better people, to make them better human beings and to love one another greater at a greater capacity. We, as we're building enterprises, businesses, we have that awesome opportunity with the people we surround ourselves with to give more out of boys, to give more love, to give more like, you know what, we got this, let's build this together. And to give that confidence that while they can take it home to their kids and become better parents themselves, then in return to affect generations to come. And so to me, how do we do that? That would be the ultimate goal. Yeah, no, preach. Um, well, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. And I love the idea of the three by five card and looking for those opportunities <laughs> to lift other people or, or to take advantage or, you know, just identify uh, where is there, where are these, these gaps and how do I transition from being a armchair quarterback to, to that Tom Brady. So anyway, thank you so much, Nick, for us today. Really appreciate the conversation. And uh, if you're listening today, go out and get yourself a bill bar. Thank you, John. All right. Have a good one. Thanks so much.